1: It's hard to believe that we've been having in-depth weekly conversations about movies since 2011.
0: You're telling me producing this show week after week requires a ton of work behind the scenes. If you'd like to help support our efforts, one easy way is by using our Originals page when shopping for books and movies we've covered.
1: Just visit thenextreel.com slash originals. Your purchases made through our links give us a small commission at no extra cost to you and allow us to keep having these great conversations.
0: I was so excited for our big Star Trek film franchise series this season. All those movies adapted from Gene Roddenberry's original 1960s TV show.
1: As a huge fan, I know that you geeked out over analyzing the adaptations.
0: Absolutely. From the motion picture to the Kelvin timeline films, seeing the Enterprise crews on the big screen was a dream come true.
1: Our list of source material isn't just all books and plays. We have the original series in our list of source material. You can rent the episodes to watch and enjoy and support the show in the process.
0: For our Millennium Trilogy series, we covered films adapted from the original books that launched Lisbeth Salander, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, The Girl Who Played with Fire, and The Girl Who Kicked the Hornet's Nest.
1: As much as I love Fincher's version, the original Swedish versions are the way to go. We also did our Die Hard series in Season 7.
0: I can't believe Die Hard and Die Hard 2 were adaptations! Two of the greatest action movies ever. Well, one of them, at
1: least. The other is awfully fun, though. We revisited the classic Mary Poppins for our 1960s movie musical series. A Spoonful of Sugar Always Helps the Medicine Go Down.
0: Old Boy was intense for our Park Chan-wook Vengeance Trilogy. And East of Eden and Giant were highlights of our James Dean series.
1: And a fun time travel mind-bender with predestination to cap things off.
0: Find all the books behind these adaptations and more at thenextreel.com
1: slash originals. Dive into the source material for your favorite movies. Check it out today, thenextreel.com slash originals.
0: I watched the English trailer, U.S. cut, I'm sure, of The Secret in Their Eyes, 2009, and uh, it sounded like I think Ricardo Darin could be the Argentinian movie guy. Did you get that feeling?
1: <laughs> I I didn't think that as I was watching it, but uh <sighs> I guess in retrospect maybe. He uh,
0: <laughs> I'm telling you, if there's anybody who could make me learn Spanish, it's that guy.
1: Yeah. Oh, he's, good.
0: he's I I really really wish we were related somehow. Cousins. <laughs> I have grown so fond of Ricardo Doreen.
1: Yeah, he's I mean he really has jumped up really high in my Favorite oh, actors. and he has just aged so, so
0: well. Two thousand by two. I mean, we started with he was a young lad, and now, ah, oh, rugged. That beard. My beard is suddenly aspirational to Ricardo Doreen's beard. Yep, the age makeup does him well. He's about the only one it worked well for. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's let's just talk about the trailer a little bit because you, I, uh, I posted the only trailer that I found, and I, I should note I didn't really try. Uh and so <laughs> you you did the the yeoman's work of digging up the argentinian trailer which is what's posted in the show notes uh and uh the uh, I I think that there is there are some notable differences.
1: Can I, can I tell you the secret real quick? <laughs> it's pretty easy.
0: I almost <laughs> you, I almost don't want you to ruin the magic.
1: You don't okay. no. Okay. You, you, I right. mean, you can. Do we'll, uh, we'll just leave it
0: hanging there. No, I'll no, tell no. you what. You say it. I'll go ahead and mute right now, so no, no, I won't no. listen to you. I'll turn my speakers
1: speaker. I, I want everybody to ponder this. <laughs> Nobody will know. I want
0: you to be the guy I, with I, all I will, that power.
1: I will reveal it on the Saturday matinee.
0: <laughs> oh, excellent! Hey, that's good. That's tricky. Uh, what did you? Uh, what do you? What do you think of the of the trailer for this film?
1: The nice thing about this story is it's got two very strong through lines. Uh, And what they were able to do with the trailer is really kind of focus their attention on one of those through lines and really kind of leave you feeling like you have a sense of what the story is, Um, only to get when you sit down and watch the movie, it's like, oh, there's this whole other story happening also that's kind of woven through. I thought that was really um, a nice way to do that. In the, in, the, in the Spanish trailer, you do get a little bit more of the hints of the love story than you do in the, in the English trailer, but, um, but it still is really focusing on the detective story. So I like that. I, I felt like this was actually a pretty good trailer as far as giving you a sense of an exciting story while allowing it to still surprise you when you sat down in the theater. And the, the crime story is so convoluted, right, that
0: even in the U.S. cut, like, they couldn't give anything away. Uh, in the in the trailer they could show you the whole thing but the way it was cut together and playing with time everything's out of order there's no way you're gonna watch that trailer and come out of it and say wow i sure wish they hadn't shown me that stadium yeah. that <laughs> gave the whole thing away like it's just you're just not gonna get it uh, i was interested in uh, it just it just struck me that they actually showed the naked body uh, on the floor in the Ar- argentinian film or in the argentinian trailer uh, and um, uh, that just going to show that They apparently think people in Argentina can handle it. (laughs)
1: <laughs> and Americans are prudes.
0: Americans are the prudes, um, yeah. uh, which 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 I it was jarring. Uh, but I I I found that the trailer was much, uh, it was much more patient. It was much easier to uh, just sort of sink my teeth into. Uh, you're right. It was a little bit more balanced. I think the for the U.S. audience, it was cut much more energetically, frenetically. Uh, it was much more of an action thriller trailer, and probably better that the action sells the movie and the romance uh, weirdly becomes the reward, uh, which. We'll
1: we'll talk about. I I thought it was uh, thought it was good. Yeah, I would say I would give this trailer an A. El 21 de junio de 1974 fue el último día que Ricardo Morales desayunó con Liliana Coloto Usted sabe tan bien como yo que know so well, like violó y mató a esa chica. No se me this is
0: the next reel, everybody. I'm Pete Wright, and that over there is Andy Nelson. Hey, hey, hey! And we spoil movies. Tonight on the show, we're on the downhill slide of our Ricardo Darín series, this week with the 2009 Juan Jose Capanella film. The secret in their eyes before we get into that you should learn more about us at thenextreel.com subscribe to the show in your favorite
1: podcast app or follow us on twitter and facebook at the next Real. and if you enjoy this show and are interested in supporting our ongoing work investigating great films like this one please consider a regular donation through our patreon page you'll get to join our back channel conversations on slack listen to the members only weekend show and get better chances of being part of our listeners choice episodes we have one coming up soon just head on over to patreon.com slash the next
0: Andy, I'm, I'm not prepared. I'm, I meant to read some of your letterboxed uh, review of the remake, Secret in Their Eyes, and I'm, I'm <laughs> not prepared. Uh, it wasn't
1: it wasn't much of a review we
0: we, I'm going to share that I'm going to share that later when we talk about remakes later but I I just want to open the show with this did you like this movie better than the remake (laughs)
1: let's see I gave the remake the uh, a half star it might have been a little might have been a little uh a grudging uh, half star mean <laughs> just because I watched them back to back but I definitely liked this one better than I liked that one it had plenty of room in which to be an improvement <laughs>
0: oh that was that was that was and and we talked about that that was a trailer pick like we we had talked about that film the trailer actually i think sold the movie pretty well it looked grim and gritty and tough to watch and um i still have not seen it but likewise they sell the detective
1: story and uh, you kind of get a sense of that um there are probably we'll we'll talk more about that as we kind of get to the remake toward the end but absolutely there's definitely issues.
0: This, uh, this film, I think, does an amazing job balancing the, uh, the violent crime and the cold case narrative that, you know, that we have here um, as it plays with time, sort of parallel timelines, um, and the unrequited love story. And I found myself really moved at the at just how well the movie handles that—the sort of uh, middle-aged guy uh, trying to come to terms with the fact that he missed a grand opportunity for love in his life, uh, and just how long he'd been struggling with that. that. That the movie was able to so deftly make me feel, as a result of that, in spite of and in addition to this amazing crime story that's going on—is—is. Uh, is, a testament to, I think, just a terrific um, uh, film in the hands of an of a, uh, exceptional filmmaker.
1: I completely agree. The The film is put together incredibly well. I think uh, Campaneja has really proven himself now um, with two genres and two very strong films, um, at least uh, for my money. And uh, the story, the way that this story... Um, You know, it's nonlinear, and we're jumping through time from uh, the 25 years ago when this case happens and uh, they're trying to uncover who who done it to uh, uh, several years later after the guilty party is uh, set free to the kind of well the present day or at least 25 years later so 1999 i guess as we're uh, dealing with these guys and and trying to deal with re- resolving the crime and their unrequited love um the the way everything weaves together is is just so clean and so nice and it never, nothing ever felt out of place to me. And and sometimes I would say, oh, it it felt like a really interesting detective story. Why did they need to throw that love story in? Or man, it was a really touching love story. That that detective story kept getting in the way of it. I never felt that like they both uh, came together in such in such clean ways that it always worked. And I was so impressed with. The, the storytelling prowess that uh, Campanasia kind of approached this with in order to find that balance. It was just, it was really a marvel. I, I loved it.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and and that is—I mean—you just—you got it just right. Like that's usually the feeling you're left with when you see movies like this that that sort of uh, are, are ham-handed around uh, the the relationship stuff. That you, you feel you know, sort of, you don't feel good about walking out of a movie that doesn't handle that well at the expense of a crime. Uh, and and in this case, I, I would have—I just felt complete at the end of this film. I really did. I thought it was. Wonderful, not only that it's beautiful, it is really beautifully shot everything uh, I, I think it has a, a terrific visual rhythm that is driven by his uh, you know instinct around how to shoot the the crime versus uh the the more sort of human elements of of the film uh, lots of incredibly beautiful Dutch angles and uh, i I found myself really invited into the frame
1: there are a lot of times where you feel like you're in the room with them and I think it's it's because the the way the camera's positioned it's it's you know oftentimes it's lower there's kind of some interesting um uh elements some foreground elements between you and the actors that kind of makes you feel like you're in the space with them and you can't quite see them because there's this you know pile of papers or this lamp in between you and it just feels like you just feel like you're there, and 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 it really does integrate you into the story um, quite nicely. I, I I just I really respected um, all of those decisions, and I also respected the way that uh, Campanesia, when he would kind of put some of these shots together, would find ways to do it in 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 uh, with with tools that were more interesting, that allowed him to kind of do something a little. Um uh you know, a little more unique that uh kind of also tied into the emotions within the scene, for example, the scene in the elevator where you have uh Ricardo um stepping into the elevator with um uh, Soledad, and um this is after they realize that uh, that this man this this rapist murderer. Uh, Gomez that they had put away has been released by the government who um, Argentina was going through this period where there was corruption in their government. And they basically said, Hey, this guy is perfect. He's a great person that we can bring into our fold to kind of, uh, you know, take care of problems that we might have. And they, they realized that and they confront the the police uh, chief who had released him and everything and had him in his employ. And so and and this is after they leave, they get into this elevator, they're very frustrated, and then Gomez steps into the elevator with them, and it's this fantastic just single take of you're looking at the three of them from the front and you see the two of them behind him and Gomez kind of facing the elevator doors. And then he kind of pulls his gun out and he kind of checks the clip and he puts it back in and he kind of, uh, you know, and you can see their faces and their reaction and he puts the gun away. He gets out and the, the back of the elevator is reflective. And as he gets out, he turns and looks at them and he just does this little, you know, eyebrow look at, uh, at Esposito, uh, Doreen's character. It was, it was all in one shot, one take. And it was just, it was beautiful and it was powerful. And that to me was like, this is real filmmaking. This is a director who knows how to tie everything together and is not afraid to do something like that because it can be risky, but he pulls it off.
0: I think, the uh, you know, that's a great example of the sort of intimacy that he has with the, um, you know, with the camera, with placement, with framing, with uh, composition and with editing. I mean, he is he edited the film, too. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, uh, I think on the other end of that spectrum, this film also boasts some of the most amazing visual effects, like invisible visual visual effects treatment um, that I absolutely did not expect to see in a movie like this
1: oh yeah and uh, invisible effects and that's the uh, we talked about this way back with Apollo 13 where a filmmaker uses these effects tools not to make aliens or, or things and we've, we've seen plenty of that with our recent Star Trek series um, but to just kind of do little things that you don't even notice but it just helps create that world
0: yeah. Oh, it really does. You know, as you, you had had dug up some of the uh, the effects reels of uh, of the um, the team the guy who headed it. We'll talk about in a bit. But um, watching these things, like the level of sensitivity and detail that they they pull out. You know, things like oh, you know, this is a this is a column that only has two sconces on it. I think we're going to go ahead and add a third one just for balance. You know, and it and it's amazing how <laughs> how much of a difference that makes. Uh, the cleanup that they had to do to this building where they shot that that you know. The current, you know, state of it is, um, you know, it's it's torn up. The paint is peeling. They didn't do a lot of just sort of restructuring of the building, but, man, they gave it a beautiful cleanup. It looks like uh, a, a brand-new uh, sort of paint job, a brand-new building uh, in circa, you know, the the early timeline uh, for the film. Yeah. 74. It, it was, uh, it, it just, everything looks completely of a piece. It, it was fantastic.
1: Yeah, and and you read stories about like the the work that they did. I think that they said the shot that was, or the the three shots that were the most complex for the entire film were the shots when uh, Gomez is uh, is theoretically killed by Morales, when Morales um, is telling uh, Espósito what happened, and he says, "I I I caught him. I you know I hit him over the head, threw him in my trunk, and drove him out and shot him," basically kind of explaining this thing, and those. Just is three very short shots when he kind of walks up to his trunk, opens it, and shoots him. But the train that went by was a modern train, and they had to make it an old train the There was a factory behind, and they had to remove it when they did that they had to remove the the bushes and they had to add new bushes in it 's like everything yeah. they said it was so complex. Um, which is crazy because you watch them go by and it's like they go by awfully quickly. They don't seem that complex, but that's the magic of effects, I guess.
0: Well, that was an interesting thing. I'm curious your thoughts on that because I, you know, what I'm accustomed to is, well, we're here, we're going to just put a train in, right? We'll just put a train in. And instead what it looked like is they waited for a train or, you know, had a real train go by and redressed it. Right. Am I explaining that right? I mean, it, it looked they did, like yeah. they intentionally, there There was a real train that went by, but a modern train, as you said, and they redressed it. And I'm curious what you, what you might sort of speculate their strategy was there rather than just taking a, like creating a train. Why did they wait for the train to go by?
1: Well, my hunch is when a train passes, there are a lot of other elements that end up um, moving because of it. You know, a lot of, you know bushes move the the way the lighting hits uh you know you get that fantastic kind of the stutter lighting out of the windows and everything and so mm-hmm. um, that was my hunch is that even though it was they if they had to change the look of the train they were able to keep all of those things that changed in the environment because a large uh you know uh structure kind of zipped through the environment yeah. right there that was my best guess
0: you know what i'm i'm gonna take that <laughs> yes that was beautiful that was well done <laughs> uh there were some smaller performances in here i shouldn't say smaller performances but uh, uh guillermo Fran- francella francella i
1: don't know yeah, yeah. what do you I what would, what, what it, would you yeah. do yeah <laughs> what would campanella do <laughs> <Is the question. laughs> no, would it be guillermo 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 Fantasia. Yeah, I don't, that sounds so awkward. I it don't does? know. Francella. Guillermo Francella is a,
0: is a, he's a, a comedian. Uh, he, he's an Argentinian comedian and he is, um, he is a highlight in this film for me. I, I was delighted every time he was on screen and partly because he is a funny, uh, the opening sequence uh, where we meet him, he's, he's actually uh, printing, or he's typing out um, a, a statement on behalf of the judge That runs their office. Uh, You know, it's a it's a uh, statement where the judge uh, is declaring that he is not fit to to uh, practice law, something like that. And and he tries to sneak it in to get the judge to sign it uh, on his own behalf, which I find a riot. I thought that was a great gag. Uh, He's full of these gags. And then you realize that his life is sort of falling apart and he is a drunk. But even as a drunk. He uncovers the central strategy to finding Gomez uh, with his greek chorus of drunks in a bar and and i think it was a uh a, a wonderful scene and i couldn't help but compare him to somebody like steve carell or jim carrey you know these guys who started out as as funny guys and then uh managed to deliver performances that were just blockbuster as their careers matured and i i feel like i i sort of want to see more of of guillermo
1: yeah he was a, a real treat in this film and i think it's because uh, the characters are all just—they feel so fully realized—and yeah. uh, he is—he's got this great habit of answering the phone and—and and, you know, giving kind of a, a false company name. You know, it's like uh, this was something I remember we would do in elementary school. You know, where you're like, you know, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, Dick's Mortuary—you stab him, we slap him, or whatever <laughs> it is. You know, right. it's like you'd answer the phone that way. And he but uh, you know, the like the sperm bank one, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, and this he is a legal a, office like these are our court right, investigators. Exactly. Yeah,
0: it's perfect. <laughs> just perfect. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, you, you made a note about attention to detail and I didn't
1: notice this, but I really uh, I, I think it's a nice touch. I again just going to the the focus that the storytellers really have here Um, right toward the beginning of the film we see Esposito as he's starting to kind of write his notes for this book that he's working on uh, detailing like this is how he's dealing with his past as he's decided to write it out as a novel and at the beginning you see him writing and in on screen you see it playing out and it's it's kind of this this uh melodramatic love story between Morales and his and his wife, and it's very melodramatic and then it instantly cuts to him, and he just like rips the paper up, crumples it, and throws it away and then you see him starting over again, and now he's writing um not so much about their the romance anymore now he's writing about her rape and subsequent murder, and he kind of writes it out. And then he then he cuts back to him and it, he stops. And instead of ripping the page out and crumpling it, it was just so interesting how he gently pulled the paper out of his of his notebook and then just kind of set it aside. And it was it was as if just the way that he's treating the memory of it was reflected in the way that he handled the paper. And I just thought that was such an incredible character detail. Yeah, it's a, a really lovely touch, and um, just
0: watching the way he struggles with with pen to paper, and the way they shot the pen interacting with the paper, the, that fountain pen, it was it was
1: luscious. Um, Not to mention uh, my one of like my favorite things of the film is just just the brilliance of that thematic um, the the one word that he kind of woke up in the middle of the night and writes down on the paper. Temo, I'm afraid, um, or I fear. Um, And then how that is so um, brilliantly kind of sums up so much of his life because of the detective, just all the crime stuff in his life and also his fear of telling her the truth. And then at the end, and, and I love how it ties in with the broken typewriter with the A, how the A doesn't work. And here he is, he's replacing the A on all of his pages that he's typed up. And you see him looking at this note and he puts the A on the page between the T E and the M O making the one word TEMO to the two words, Teamo, I love you. And I'm like, that is a brilliant way to kind of thematically move from the uh, the the fear in his life and the struggling with his memories and all of this to the final acknowledgement of his feelings for Irene. And I was just like, that was so beautiful.
0: And I think he writes it as a capital A, right, in Te Amo? Yeah. yeah which yeah. is, it's beautiful. It really is beautiful. I mean, that's really the message, which I I, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm going to be overgeneralizing here. But it it feels so much like this film, as as grim and dark and gruesome as it is, uh, is ultimately really optimistic, right? It resolves very happily for me. Right, and and I don't I don't think we see that very often in movies like this. I, you know, we, we did find out what was in the box in Seven, and it didn't end well. Uh, and in this movie, that that his life was empty, not because of the crime. Like the crime was the vehicle that got him to realize that he he was missing a, an important love in his life, and that's the ultimate story. That that I I think that all of these little notes and motifs and the way the the way they play this game with the door the open open the door shut the door things are important things are not important the way they talk with each other is really the these are the it's it's the the dotted line that leads us to his ultimate fulfillment and growth as a as a character and and that was um i I think one of empowerment and strength in spite of the fact that like they didn't let the crime destroy him
1: which i think so many of these movies do right he was able to kind of move through uh and break out of it and i i think i think thematically it also that was i think what worked so well in context of this story, is the theme and how you have this sense of the prisons that we put ourselves mm-hmm. in. And here he is, he's he's created this prison for himself where he can't tell her the truth. And so he's lived 25 years in this prison. He's married unhappily, you know, and he just, he can't admit it. And it's not really until he can resolve this crime and he finds that Morales has also kind of put himself into this prison because he's, He's locked Gomez up in the in his barn, basically, and uh, and he uncovers that that reality. And through finding his resolution for that, he's able to kind of break himself out of his own prison.
0: It felt like sort of an interesting parallel. And I'm only bringing this up for, you know, for no other reason than we just, you know, had this movie back to back uh, on the show through the film board. The the final speech of Hercule Poirot in in Murder on the Orient Express, um, it had a very similar sentiment on the the nature of judgment. Uh, of, of crime and judgment to, to my eye. We're starting to really, you know, much more publicly and simply question the role of human judgment of others', of others acts, right? Who, who are we to say? And this movie presents that very argument, right? That there was a crime, and then there was a crime on top of that crime as the, the grieving husband finds and tracks and captures the, you know, freed but guilty criminal, and keeps him in a, in a jail in his barn for 25 years and feeds him and won't speak to him and just keeps him as a prisoner, all hinging on that one line in the film. You said life. You said he would get life. And now, you know, the logical end is I'm giving him life because the government wouldn't, because the people wouldn't. I'm going to do that. And, and so, you know, our main character is forced to sit and, and stew on that and to face it and say, is he so, is he so wrong? For doing that, who am I to say that that this is this is the wrong thing to do? We know he did it. He confessed to it in, I should say, an incredible uh, good cop bad cop scene. That that huge question is is what it sort of undergirds the the criminal portion of the film, the story of of the crime itself. And and um, I, I think it it really puts uh, Esposito in a very difficult situation that he handles uh, very very well.
1: Yeah, it's it's really strong. Um, it's, uh, again, I don't want to get uh, too deep in it, but it's not handled nearly as well in the remake. <laughs> <laughs> oh, stop it, Andy.
0: Stop it. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. So the film was based on a book that I obviously have not read. Yeah. Have you read the book because your Spanish is so good? <laughs>
1: I have not. Uh, which its uh, English title is "The Question in Their Eyes," right?
0: Yes, and and I wonder does that does that change the way you uh, change the way you would take the film Secret versus Question?
1: Um, no, uh, I don't think so. But without really knowing what the book's about, it's hard to say. You know, I'm yeah. not sure exactly how different the book is from this.
0: Well, um, I've heard I mean. that the 2015 remake. Uh, is actually much closer to the book, so I know you'll be thrilled to to hear that. <laughs> oh, why <laughs> bringing are it around it? again?
1: Uh, Listen it, to you.
0: I'm fascinated by it. He uh, now uh, Campanella actually is on uh, as the uh, has a, a writing credit on this with Eduardo Sacheri, uh, who wrote the novel, and so uh, that you you would think that this is uh, this is a fairly fairly close to the original.
1: Uh you would think so. I am I'm, I'm looking at the uh the translated version of the Amazon description of the Spanish novel. Oh, I hear they're uh, very try- good at
0: machine translation. I I think that th- this is going to be delightful
1: and accurate. Right, exactly. Uh it it looks like um uh yeah. It I mean just from the what I can pull from it, it looks like pretty much the same story. So, I, I'm not sure the question versus the secret. I, you know, I feel like I like the secret in their eyes because I feel like these people all have these secrets. And, and I think there's such an interesting, uh, motif of what people are saying, uh, you know, with, with just their eyes and what they're actually saying. And that is, I mean, that's, that's, Good storytelling anyway, when you have that happening in a film, when you see people and they're saying one thing, but their eyes are kind of saying the other, mm-hmm. that's just great subtext. We all like that. Um, but I think they do it exceptionally well here, and... I don't know. The question in their eyes, uh, I don't... It's much less diabolical. Well, yeah. It's just like, what, you know, so what is the question? I, I don't know. It's, it's kind of a stranger title for me. Yeah. I, I don't like it as much.
0: I think The Secret uh, implies malice, and you need that for a thriller. I think that's a, it's sort of an obvious choice. I just wonder. Uh, it, you know, it makes me want to read the book. Yeah, I didn't see an English translation of it, but it made me want to read the book yeah I'd be curious uh, about that yeah so anyway how did uh, what do we know about how company got involved in this uh, in this project
1: well I, other than the fact that I believe he and uh, and uh, the writer are uh, are i don't know if they're friends but they have worked on other projects uh together at least after this so they might have just kind of come together uh, but it sounds like he was inspired because of this whole idea he had of you have these huge spaces where you have people moving through these spaces, doing things, whatever, going places, um, and then you cut to an extreme close-up of eyes in that space. And he said it's just there's this really interesting contrast of of those two things. And he, in the commentary, he was specifically talking about this in the scene where Esposito comes to the train station, And you just have this wide shot of the train station as he comes and he finds Morales sitting there um, on his perpetual search to find the bad guy. And you don't hear any of the conversation. You just see Morales like stand up and, you know, uh, give him a hug like, you know, that, you know, he has found his guy and it's a it's a great shot. And that kind of, you know, that is kind of the, the scene that came from we don't have any extreme close ups of eyes in that shot or in that scene but that's kind of where this this whole idea came from because of what you can see and what you can say. So, I think that's pretty interesting. And and then also Argentina has had a pretty um, you know, rough uh, period with some of its uh, governmental ruling. And that certainly tied into this particular story um and it works really well because the way that they tie in that uh, governmental suppression and kind of the the, uh, the political uh, um, situation that Argentina had been going through uh, in its last uh, dictatorship. Um, it really is this, this turmoil when there's this state-sponsored terrorism. And that really leads to the freeing of Gomez and that whole um, last half of the story, which I think um, works really well in context. And I think that's one of the problems, honestly, with the American remake is – our history didn't have um, something quite like that in order for them to make that connection. So they really had to artificially find a way to tie it in. Uh, and it ended up being with September 11th and everything going on afterward. And it just, it, it just doesn't work. Um, but we, yeah, I mean, when you don't have a repressive
0: uh, secret state police, you know, when you don't like, I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like that's a, that's a tough thing to shoehorn into the story, the con- context is everything here.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. It just didn't work.
0: Uh, let's do, let's do first shot, last shot. It's been, it's, it's been a little while before we, since we've had a really good one.
1: Uh, well we did nine Queens. That was, I I thought a nice one because it's really kind of the start and end of, of no, that's a good point. The, the setup. Yeah, that's a good point. And this, this I think follows suit. This does. It really does. It starts this, the, what's great about the first shot, last shot in this particular film is it's not connected to what we have with the detective story it really is focused on this uh this kind of this love story and the first shot is really about memories and specifically esposito's memories of his departure at the train station the last time that he had seen irene when um he had to kind of flee because he was afraid that he was going to be uh, assassinated by gomez and you have, um, it's, it's just, it's memory shots. It's, it's kind of very, um, soft, not soft focus, but it's, it, it's everything's filtered. You have a much slower shutter speed. So everything's kind of stuttering, um, of the station platform sign before we cut to Irene's eyes. And we kind of see this memory play out. And the uh,
0: last shot is the, the 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 final moment of this unrequited love. It is uh, a- acknowledged before uh, between these two uh, fantastic characters as now uh, you know adults, and uh, we, I guess they were adults before, but now they're really adults.
1: <laughs> and uh, and then you're the, trying they, to say they're not they're not old. They're not seniors. <laughs> they're not seniors. <laughs> no, they're not seniors. <laughs> right.
0: Right, right. They, they're right, they, fine. And uh, they're, they're, they're only just starting to get up multiple times in the night. Like, you know, you get it. Uh, and then they finally actually do uh, shut the door. Uh, and, uh, and it's beautiful. It's a lovely pairing between these two things. And it's such a weird thing to say about a, a movie that deals with such a gruesome rape and
1: murder yeah right yeah it's 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 very uh, nice in just you know it's these these memories that are kind of haunting Esposito. and it really is finally about being able to close that door on on kind of this chapter of his life and move forward no longer being haunted. I, I thought it was a really effective way to uh, to bookend the film
0: I did too and that also leads us into another fantastic scene Andy it's the deep scene dive this is an amazing scene and you call, I. it took me a while I know I was bugging you because it took me a while to actually watch this movie you watched it like two weeks ago and you were like okay all I'm gonna say is the stadium the stadium scene we gotta do the stadium scene I mean we could do whatever other scene you want but I'm just saying the stadium and so finally I watched it <laughs> you start using more and more question marks lined up together have you watched the movie yet three question marks how about now five question marks I watched the movie
1: and you are so right man this football stadium is amazing and what's great about it is it happens between uh in this period of the film where where things are kind of coming to a lull as they're uh, getting frustrated with the investigation and everything and they're not exactly sure they finally get it reopened um and then they they pin down this whole thing about you know it's his passion and that's the secret that we've always missed um, and that leads into this great thing. And then it kind of, it, it goes into this lull as, as we, um, prepare for the, uh, the interrogation. And as you said, that fantastic good cop, bad, bad cop scene. Um, and here, like right at the middle of the film, you have this incredible scene that kind of, for me, came out of nowhere. I wasn't expecting it at all. And at first, as it started, as you kind of start on this stadium shot, Um, And the helicopter flies into the stadium and then and you're watching the soccer players and you see the goal not quite get in there. And then all of a sudden you're going right over the crowd's heads, and then you're going right into the crowd, right up to uh, Esposito in the crowd as he's looking around to find Gomez because this is his passion. He is passionate about this soccer team.
0: Uh, yeah, it, it is right out of nowhere. I this is a scene I was I was laying down on the couch when I watch this thing. And I've got the TV. It's kind of, kind of up on the wall. And I'm, I'm watching this thing. And I've been enjoying the movie. I'm kind of writing notes upside down. And then we're in the helicopter and we're kind of flying in. And you know, that feeling of just sort of exhilaration that comes when you when you think, wow, that helicopter is not that's not stopping. That is not the shot is not stopping. And I found myself I'd swing my legs over the couch and I would kind of sit up and I I was just like I was this just the camera work on this thing, I was on the edge of my seat by the time this was over because it doesn't end there. We are we hit Esposito and we're in the stands with him and we rotate around him in this close up. We see that he's there with Pablo and they are searching the crowd and this i mean the stadium has fifty thousand people in it and we're going up and down and we've got some jiggly monkey camera things going on because this you know people are elbowing they think they see the gomez it's not gomez they They eventually find Gomez, uh, and then we get into a foot chase, this foot chase that leads down into the bowels of the stadium. We're hiding out in the bathroom. We come out of the bathroom. We're running. We're running. We're running. We're jumping over concrete embankments, and eventually uh, Gomez uh, falls. Uh, He's trying to climb off of a second-story kind of parking garage thing in the in the uh, uh, stadium, he falls, he hurts his leg and runs back out into the bright lights on the field itself. And that's where he falls. And we end the sequence on an extreme close up of his face in the grass sideways. It, it is a uh, it, it really terrific chase. It is a terrific and exhilarating chase. Uh, and um, uh, it, it turns out, uh, as much as I deeply wanted to hear that this was just a guy on a harness being hung off of a helicopter. It turns out it took
1: some more work to get the shot. Yeah, just a little bit of work (laughs) (laughs) to get the shot. It's crazy. You read, uh, you know, read kind of the behind the scenes as to what what it took to actually make make this happen, and you're like, oh wow, that's that's pretty nutty. And then you watch the 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 behind the scenes, like the VFX uh, reel that this visual effects company put together. Uh, it's just, it's a fantastic six minutes of watching as it shows you like the different layers of each shot and what they had to add and what, who, what was real and what wasn't. And you're seeing all of these different things come together. And then it reveals, oh, and then this is where this shot starts. And then this is where this shot ends. And this is how we had to match up the, the two pieces of the footage to fit so that it wouldn't, so it, uh, it all worked. And then this is where the third shot started. And this is, and then you're like, this was an eight shot scene beautifully stitched together to make this thing just like masterful. I mean, it's not, it's not Birdman, but I mean, I, I can see like, this is the sort of thing that, uh, Inyaritu would see and go, Hey, I want to do that for a full film. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. this was uh, what looks like it was three months of pre-production on this, three days of shooting in the actual stadium. This was the uh, uh, Huracan Football Club Stadium. Uh, Nine months in post-production. They took 200 extras in the the stands and created 50,000 fans out of them uh, in visual effects. Uh, As you said, eight shots stitched together over six minutes. It is just great. Our principal cast in this sequence is uh, uh, obviously Ricardo Darin and Guillermo Franchella uh, as Benjamin Esposito and Pablo Sandoval and Javier Godino as Isidoro Gomez, um, uh, the the poor lad who uh, happened to get chased through the stadium. Camera work by Felix Monti. Uh, You want to talk about the camera? It's fantastic.
1: Yeah, a lot of a lot of great camera work through this. I mean, really interesting stuff. Obviously, when you're um, having to put things together like this, um, what's great about watching the behind the scenes is is seeing how they work these things out. Like when the the, the bit when uh, Gomez decides to escape, he's got to climb over this wall and drop down uh, off the landing to this this uh, passage below. And and you see that oh there's this actual whole landing there that they had constructed that they digitally remove and the cameraman you know he is out on it and he sees this happen and or he sees Gomez coming toward him and he backs up and Gomez has this harness on and so he, when he climbs over he's kind of hung by this harness and the cameraman has a harness and then you see Gomez slip and fall and the cameraman like drops right behind him and I'm like this is brilliant it's it's so exciting to see them really working on coming together with this stuff. What's exciting about um, uh, also just the way that, that they work this is that it. I felt it really consistently still kept uh, Campaneja's um, way that he was framing throughout the film. And I think that's hard to do on a shot like this. But right um, when the camera first lands on Esposito in the stands, you get that shot where Esposito is is hard frame left and the 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 rest of the frame as he's kind of looking around is full of people and just space and he, he you know uh, throughout the film he really squeezes his characters into corners like that and and he does it here it just makes you uncomfortable and it, it keeps the tension up and he's using this beautiful uh 2.35 to 1 um widescreen frame it's a very letterboxed image and so he has a lot of room to do that and it it is so nice it's amazing how well that scales too you know you watch this and and i
0: i say that on a you know in the the context of modern sort of movie going where you may be in the big screen, but you are more likely to see this on a very small screen, sometimes a very, very small screen. And the way he uses that wide, wide frame actually scales remarkably well, even down to a phone. It still feels really spacious uh, as you are uh, as you're watching this because he's jammed so far over to the left so many of these shots uh, make madness feel like Lawrence of Arabia
1: yeah right it really um, just fits so nicely, yeah. and you get that also. Just how how beautiful it is when it's full of a face, yeah. like at the end when you have Gomez lying in the grass and his face is kind of uh, horizontal, lying in the grass, and it just works so nicely in the frame as the baton comes down and pushes it down, as the dog runs over, as Esposito runs over. It's just really nice, and e- even at that point, they still keep. I mean, this is something I've been noticing with with Campanella as we've watched uh, you know these past two films of his. He really likes a narrow depth of field, and I think he he uses it really well to his advantage, and I like that it, he's still using it throughout this. As we get to that last moment when Gomez is lying in the grass, you see a blurry person in a suit running toward him. We don't necessarily need to have uh, Esposito in focus to know that that's Esposito. Right now, our focus is on Gomez, and I think that Campaneja uses that really effectively. The,
0: uh, we already obviously mentioned the, the visual effects. We're talking about the, the three most complicated shots, which by comparison, it's sort of stunning when we're talking about this shot in our uh, deep scene dive, that there are more complex shots visual effects, uh, from a visual effects standpoint than this one, uh, because this is a huge, huge shot. Uh, Rodrigo Tomaso is a visual effects supervisor, lead compositor, uh, on the film. Um, 109 visual effects shots, uh, in this film besides this one.
1: That's yeah, isn't that crazy? Everything from like, you already talked about like some of the stuff that they had to move, remove or like add the extra beams in the train station or cleaning up the uh the way that the the public uh, like the government building looked in the past to make it look a lot nicer. Uh, it was constant or even like when they're drinking coffee they had to remove a company logo off the side of the cup. I mean it's it's everywhere. These guys put so much work into it and it's it's um, Cien Bares Producciones is the name of the production company or the, the special effects company, um, that did all of this. And, uh, they're, I, I'm really impressed with the work that they did here. Yeah.
0: I already mentioned that Juan Jose Campanella himself did the editing on this film. I'm saying editing, uh, you know, knowing that it's supposed to come off like one shot, right? We, we know that it's, that's, that's the gimmick. Um uh, but, it, by use of space and use of compression, and where they obviously are doing all these uh, um, all these match edits, uh, it's it ends up being uh, going from big to small in both time and space, uh, and uh, is is staged exceptionally well.
1: It really is. Uh, I, but like you said, I mean they've they had to put so much planning into this. They they it was probably quite a bit of work just figuring out okay where can we cut? Where can we pull out of this helicopter shot? And 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 come into this this crane shot and make it work. It's it's really
0: that's what I was trying to figure out because the reel does not do a great job of explaining because uh, I don't think it actually explains anything. There's no voice and and so it, I'm, it's unclear to me where they matched Esposito. Did they ever match? They didn't CG him, right? I mean, there was never a no. a CG Esposito that we cut into. that cuts into the crowd. It cuts in from the helicopter to the crowd. And then the crane is what takes us to him, yeah. So
1: but then what takes us to whatever a steady cam as we get into the back? Like I, I was just, I was blown away. Well, I think what happens is the helicopter comes into the stadium and flies over the uh, the arena, mm-hmm. and it, it and then it kind of tilts straight down and then just flies basically over and out of the crowd, and then somewhere in that over. Uh, where the camera is kind of flying directly, like bird's eye view, looking yeah. down at everybody, uh, and then it tilts up. In that move, that's uh, that is the second camera shot. And so, where is the third? Okay, so the the camera two goes to the point where um uh it ends where uh, we where um Pablo comes over and starts talking to. Uh, Esposito and he goes there he is and there's there's a little bit of a whip pan down the crowd to um uh, to find who he thinks is Gomez uh and that's where somewhere in there is where that third whip is or a third cut is yeah. and and we come in on the two of them as they approach that person and then i think the the th- that shot ends when they find the guy it's not him and uh fourth shot starts as we pan away from him back to Esposito as he turns to walk away
0: i i have no concept like i literally no concept of how uh, a a sequence like this is built uh, when it is so deeply rooted in visual effects like do they do is this effectively a a rough cut scenario where he's sitting there cutting together these things with no effects like before like at what point does it get handed off? Does each
1: cut get handed off to
0: the effects
1: team? Do you know what I'm saying? It's it's Yeah, it's one of those things where I think that they're constantly working on everything at the same time. Like, yeah. Together, Like he probably does a cut and he, he knows, okay, we're going to have to uh, take this frame and we're going to have to adjust it, you know, tilt it and adjust it to here so that everything lines up uh, and everything fits. We'll rotoscope these people out and put these people in. And you know, there's all that work, but I think that there, it's it's. I think that it's constant, constant work, just trying to keep tabs on all the different elements all through it. It's,
0: it's stunning. Have you ever worked on a project that with <laughs> this level of visual effects? Because I mean, uh, you think, no, like, this is a
1: lot of complexity. A lot
0: of complexity. I, yeah. I certainly,
1: man. Yeah, I've worked on <laughs> you know replacement of stuff, but the, not to this level. Like I, 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 would have a hard time wrapping my head around what we needed to yeah. do. And I mean, just. It's hard enough for me to go, okay, here's two hundred people. Now fill the stadium to make it look like five hundred thousand. That, that yeah. to me is hard enough. Or or watching the VFX reel where they're they're doing the little like um thing where they're showing you how they pretty much made all the extra soccer players on the field. Yeah. And you see just like the library of faces going by and the library of skin tones and the library of clothes. It's like, geez. Just to randomly make all these people. It's, it, it's crazy. Crazy. Uh, unrelated to the visual effects, what did you think of the music? It's great. Uh, this is, um, it has a, I'm trying to remember the music in this, in this scene specifically, uh, but I, I felt like there was so much tension and everything kind of moving forward that, um, I, that's kind of my, my recollection of it.
0: Yeah, it, it it sounded like what I I think the the music with the sound actually works really well together. I mean, it feels very much like you're you're coming into a stadium. It's like you know Friday Night Lights kind of music, and then it moves into a a, a much more sort of energetic thriller thing as soon as the chase, as soon as we kick into the chase. And I think that transition is really sharp. It's got those. It's got the chanting in the music yeah. when it's kicking off. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I don't remember if there was a vuvuzela, but I feel like there should have been if there wasn't a what. A vuvuzela. I
1: don't know what a vuvuzela
0: is. The, oh, yes, you do. You think you don't, but you do. It's the horn. It's the horn that they uh, it, at all the the, the biggest.
1: Wow. Oh, the, wow. yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I know what the it Vuvuzella. is. Yeah, that's more of a basketball thing, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What? The... No, no, sir. No, that's a football thing. Well, we definitely have the goal. You know, as as the goal is scored. Oh! As an... <laughs> And I, I like that they call it the goal, the 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 hell shot. You know, it's yeah. like it, everything kind of explodes. Yeah, so. right. The
0: uh, let's see. So I, yeah, I didn't even say his name, Federico Jucid? Is the composer Huseid? Uh, as a composer behind this film. Uh, solid work there. Who else do you want to talk
1: about that that is not in this scene? Well, we already talked about the writers, um, uh, Eduardo Sacheri and Juan Jose Campanella. Um, they did end up collaborating on that animated film, Underdogs, which uh, looked pretty underwhelming um but i i i don't know i i didn't see it i'm i'm curious i i know my kids wanted to see it but i was like eh, maybe we'll skip that one hmm. but uh and then Campanella i mean i think that he's a really interesting director and just watching these two films of his i really feel like this is a guy i want to uh continue to look for because i feel like he uh has a really strong handle on cinema and how to tell stories uh in terms of um uh, other
0: folks in the film we haven't talked all that much about soledad villamil villamil i cannot wait Uh, to get back into some films (laughs) where i i can pronounce the people who are in it uh irene menendez hastings uh our love interest and his boss
1: i had never seen her before uh And just instantly fell in love with her. I think that she carries an incredible presence on screen and really does a great job of balancing like the early parts of the film where she's, you know, that new person in the office who's kind of having to stand her ground and to kind of make herself um, a presence. And then later when she's now kind of shown that, hey, I am, you know, strong enough to be the... Uh, the, the DA and here I am. And I, I liked that about her. And I think that, that she played the part really well, especially with the eyes. She has incredible eyes that work really well in a film where it's all about the subtext of the eyes. Yeah, she was she was fantastic. Uh Pablo Rago as uh, Ricardo Morales. Um I I think he was uh just as powerful as as Soledad. I mean, I the way that um he played it when they first tell him that his wife is dead and you just have him sitting there and you can see his the the kind of the tears welling up in his eyes but he's just kind of talking to them. It was it was really painful, really nice, um really well done and he really, for me, worked well as the man who was kind of represented. You know, his passion was this woman in his life, and it was taken away, and and he was, his life was now all about kind of resolving that. And I thought he carried that really well all all the way through to the end in his last scene when he's just like you said, life, and you just see him standing there next to the you know he is in his own prison and i thought that was done so nicely
0: i totally agree with you i, I think uh, morales is a uh, a complicated character i think it would have been better had i believed the age makeup at the end that is a that is a sore point for me around him he looked like he would just like i could put a pillow in my shirt and you know paint my face a little bit he just didn't i didn't buy his age at all
1: I was really frustrated with his makeup and the makeup of Gomez. Um, Both of them, I don't think, took to the age makeup nearly as well as Doreen did. Doreen, I I 100% bought him. Uh, Well, I I was curious. I wonder which.
0: I I, I got the feeling that Doreen actually looked more like that at his age. Like they had to do less age makeup to age him because he was already closer to that age. And and that, in fact, the real makeup for him was young, like making him look so much younger. Yeah, maybe. And so the inversion, I think, worked much better in his favor uh, than it did to those those other guys who were very clearly younger actors and had to be aged significantly. Uh, and it did not it aged and rendered ill, like it, in the case of Gomez. I mean, he had to look look like he's been sitting in a in a cell for twenty five years and treated uh, poorly. So um, it, it just didn't. Didn't take.
1: Yeah, it was it, that was a rough part for me. But, um, but in context, uh, it's easy to forgive because yeah. I felt the scene worked so well. Yep.
0: Yep. Absolutely. Um, some other, other names that you want to uh, point out here?
1: For me, the other name that really stands out, we've already talked about a little bit, is Javier Godino as Gomez. Um, I thought he worked just really well. Um, because when he is first being interrogated, he seems so innocent and he, he plays that so well. And I love that it it's to the point where Darin is really confused. Like maybe I have the wrong guy. And it's not until that incredibly creepy, moment when Soledad is, um, you know, he talking to Darin and she catches him kind of looking at her exposed bra because of the rip in her shirt. And, um, You realize, oh, there is a real creep in here. I thought Gomez really nailed that element of this character, or I mean, Javier nailed that element of Gomez. Yeah,
0: Yeah, I I think so too. That that sequence in particular was shocking Uh, when he when he loses his cool, and uh, you know, first of all, you know, he ends up revealing himself uh, in the film, which I thought was um, was surprising, and not at all surprising like it absolutely fit the character right it just it fit it, that was a thing that this creep would do and then he hauls off and, and hits her and he's shrieking at her these obscenities um, it, it uh, you know thus locking his conviction like you there, there is no point after that sequence that you feel like yeah oh, maybe he should be released uh, as a uh, as a member of the um, you know illicit state police eh, maybe maybe he should get off for, for special treatment like he he needs to be put away uh and, and so the film just really sells it and that makes that just it, it's just that much more heartbreaking when you see him uh you know free on the street not 10 minutes later in the film uh, in film time oh yeah yeah, yeah. It's really it's frustrating. frustrating uh we get a little bit of uh, Liliano colotto the character played by carla cavido she is she's she's the young uh, the young wife who is uh, uh raped and murdered uh, in the uh, early in the film and we see her mostly through uh flashes of memory
1: yeah and and uh, i i don't have much to say about her other than they treat her uh, well in the film to make you feel like she is uh this this highlight in Morales's life. Yeah. So uh, yeah. yeah, to that end, I thought she did great. How'd this do in award season? Really well. This was a very, very popular film. Thank uh, goodness. I know it got 52 wins and 40 other nominations. Uh, uh, we didn't, uh, in the last film uh, we talked about, I I could I didn't see that there was an Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences of Argentina, but apparently between 2001 and 2009 they must have established it. Um, but it had 14 wins and four other nominations. There, um, it won for. Best Actor, uh, Darin, Best Actress, uh, Soledad. Best Art Direction, Cinematography, Director, Editing, Makeup. There you go. Uh, music. New Actor, José Luis Joya, who played Inspector Baez. Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Sound, Best Supporting Actor for Guillermo Francia. And Best Film. Um, the uh, ones that it lost for were Costume Design, which lost to Felicitas. New Actor, Javier Godino, who lost to Gomez and uh, Best Supporting Actor, uh, Pablo Rago, and Supporting Actor, Mario Alarcon, um, who both also lost to uh, their uh, somebody they were working with. At the Argentinian Film Critics Association Awards, the Silver Condors, it did have 11 wins, three other nominations. Um, and uh, at the Oscars here, it had uh, Best Foreign Language Film, It took away that award. Um, so they did a great job, and looking at just what uh, our focus of this series, Ricardo Darin, he had six wins and three other nominations for this film. So uh, kudos to him. He did a great job.
0: Now, in 2015, as we've already mentioned, <laughs> we <laughs> we had a remake. And, <laughs> and you say of this remake, uh, a pale shadow of the original, so far so good, and then you say... Everyone involved should be ashamed and embarrassed. <laughs> I did say that. Didn't that I? that may be the best Amazon review we've ever read. <laughs> 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 what? Uh, so so that was the big remake, yeah.
1: That was the big remake. It was a real disappointment to me. Yeah, I I don't think that they had uh that anyone else has talked about adapting it um uh no sequels or anything like that but um yeah billy ray uh who had i mean he has directed he directed shattered glass breach and uh he'd written things like um way back to uh the early 90s like color of night and volcano everyone's favorite all the way up through um, Captain Phillips and uh, The Hunger Games. So he has a wide variety in his credits. Um, he uh, he wrote and directed this. And I just could not help feeling like he missed the entire point of the film. And it was just such a frustrating experience to watch this because um, everything just did not play the way that that it really needed to to kind of to 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 hit the points and uh, he changed things and i already mentioned they had to change this whole uh you know this they had to come up with an element for this this person to be released in the past and in that it's you know they the 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 team uh decides hey this bad guy would be a great um Counter terrorism investigator, and so they kind of release him and everything and it just it doesn't work and then the other issue is not to well, I'm just gonna spoil it because it's such a crappy movie <laughs> um, the the whole thing is you know you get this the the basically the stadium scene takes place in the present day because uh he got away in the past and oh also in the past it's it's not just some random person who who's um uh, whose uh, wife they are, um, trying to avenge. It happens to be their coworker whose daughter was killed. And yeah. so it adds this whole other weird elements. Like, why, why did you, why was that in here? Why did we need to go that route? It's just a strange shift. Um, but you get this whole thing where, um, the guy gets away and then, um, in the present day, Now they do the whole thing. It's at a baseball game. Um, It's multiple cuts. So they take all the fun away of the single shot through it. They catch the guy and everything. And, And then it turns out that it's not the guy. And you know the whole big reveal is that that Julie Roberts character she had actually caught the guy in the past, and she's had him in her in her little barn jail this whole time. And this other guy is just some other guy. It's like, <laughs> well, what? well, what? why were why were we? What? Why? And they look the same. What? It's nonsense. <laughs> just nonsense. Yeah. Okay. <sighs> I'm sorry for you, so man. This this
0: seems it's like it puts you. It in made a me mad. Place.
1: Yeah it made me mad i it's, and and that i i think that if i had seen it without having seen the secret in their eyes first um i i think i probably going to well it was interesting you know I, I don't think it 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 emotionally evolved the way i would have liked it to um you know it wasn't bad but it's probably pretty forgettable that's probably where i would have been with it yeah but having seen the original argentine film first uh, and then seeing what they did with it, I'm like, man, these guys just screwed everything up putting this together. And I don't know if the actors knew that, you know, reading the script and going along with it, or if they kind of were like, as they were, I'd like to think, because I like all these actors, I'd like to think as they were working, I was like, I don't think this is going the way that I was thinking it would. That's and, the you know, stunning
0: thing. I mean, that cast is, it's amazing.
1: I know. We've got Chiwetel Ejiofor, Nicole Kidman, Julie Roberts, Dean Norris. Uh, It's just it's a great group of people. And unfortunately, the film, it it was a painful experience to watch. Well, uh, okay, so there you go. Don't
0: worry about that one. Uh, Definitely see the 2009 film. How did this do at the box office?
1: You know, it's funny, the numbers for this film are in a bit of disagreement on the various sites that I look at. So I, I guess I have to go with the numbers that seem to correspond mostly on most of the sites. It looks like Companeja got a bit more than he got to make *Son of the Bride*. For this film, he had a budget of 3.5 million, or 3.9 in today's dollars. The movie premiered in Argentina on August 13, 2009, and like Darin's previous films we've discussed, this film was a critical and commercial success, becoming the second highest-grossing film. In Argentina's history, only topped by a 1975 film directed by Leonardo Favio called Nazarino Cruz and the Wolf. I had never heard of that film, never seen it. Oh. I have no idea what it's about, but apparently everybody in Argentina loves it. This movie had a limited release in the U.S. on April 16, 2010, opposite the Death at a Funeral remake and Kick-Ass it went on to make 6.4 million here and 27.9 million everywhere else raking in a grand total of 38.5 million in today's dollars giving the movie an adjusted profit per finished minute of $268,000
0: that's a, it's fantastic results for a fantastic movie i uh, once again this movie has it, it just continues our exploration of uh, ricardo darin and it just won right after another it just they just keep getting better
1: yeah, they really do. It's it's a fantastic run for this series. I uh, I I don't know when we've had a film series that uh, I feel like has just had so many exciting films. It's great. Yeah,
0: yeah. I uh, this has been really fantastic. Um, I am I'm excited to see uh, how you end up ranking it, Andy.
1: Ooh, let's do Head it. Head
0: over to flickchart.com slash the next reel and uh, line it up. You can just tap in your in your uh, show notes there. You can tap the flick chart, the word flick chart. It'll take you right to this movie on flickchart, and you can add it to your list. Let's see where it lands on ours. First up, we have
1: El Secreto de Sus Ojos, or Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? I'm going to go Secret. Secret for me. Secret in Their Eyes, or Seven Samurai. Secret. Secret for me. The Secret in Their Eyes, or Aliens. I'm Oh it's, aliens. Yeah, I mean it's aliens, but it's uh it's it's hard. Yeah, it really is. Uh The Secret in their eyes or the world's end. I will say the secret in their secret eyes. The secret
0: in their eyes. Ooh.
1: I know. The secret in their eyes or French connection. I will say the secret oh, in their eyes. Oh
0: Andy, you know uh you know how hard this is for me. But I'm
1: gonna say the secret in their eyes. Wow, look at that.
0: There was you, you don't there was no picking of toes in Poughkeepsie. And that that would have <laughs> made this movie better
1: the secret in their eyes or apocalypse now secret in their eyes i have to go with apocalypse now. yeah we're gonna have to go to the mat uh i and i'm okay losing if we if i have to lose because i really love this film yeah so you know who you
0: know who says things like that losers do <laughs> ready <laughs> one, one two, two three, three rock paper Oh, mm. sorry turns out turns out winners do too
1: i'm glad we got <laughs> to figure that out <laughs> that's right <laughs> the secret of their eyes or star trek six the undiscovered uh,
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> no
1: i will say the secret of their eyes
0: Oh, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: man. I,
0: i'm like you I, i'm gonna pick star trek but if i lose it, it will have been for it, it will have been okay. All right, here we go.
1: Well, we know who says that. So here we go. <laughs> All right, one, one two, two, three, three. Scissors. scissors, paper. <sighs> oh,
0: yeah, we, you're right, Andy.
1: Winners do say that. <laughs> That's right. Confirm. Uh, the secret in their eyes, or the Fisher King. Secret oh. in their eyes. I uh... I actually will say a secret in their eyes. I, these are they're really close, but yeah, I'm going secret in their eyes. Well, look at that. It is a secret in their eyes is coming in at number 48 on our flick chart. 48 out of 325. Oh, 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 oh. That's really That's cool. How, you know, pretty solid. It's 85%. Yeah,
0: it's amazing. Where where did this end up on your personal flick chart?
1: My personal flick chart. It came in at two thirty six out of thirty eight sixty eight. So that's at about ninety four percent. It's way high. And we are we are
0: uh, in lock step here, Andy. I am at uh it's sixty out of one thousand two movies for me. That's also ninety four percent. Look at that. Way high. And I am not ashamed to
1: say this is a five star and a heart for me, uh, Andy. I love this film. Five star and a heart over on Letterboxd from me too. Um, this. To me, is uh, really just a perfect film. It 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 blended so many story elements in such a way that I was surprised. I thought about it for days afterward. In in a way where I just like I wanted to just put it on again right away because it just got me so excited.
0: Really jazzed. Uh, it's it's just fantastic. Uh, yeah. we're, so we're wrapping it up here. We have one more movie left in the uh, our current sort of uh, Ricardo Doreen exploration. Uh, where do we go from here?
1: We're going to be wrapping it up with Wild Tales, otherwise known as Relatos Salvajes, uh, directed by Damian Sifron in uh, 2014. This is an anthology film. So uh, we, we have much less of Darin in this film than any of, any of our others because he's only in one of the six tales in this, uh, in this one. But So
0: um, wait a minute. That means we should only have to watch one sixth of the movie and our conversation next week should be about 20 minutes long. Exactly. All of the above is true.
1: (laughs) Nice try. (laughs) Nice try, you.
0: Loving this conversation. Love where this is going. Uh, Don't forget, everybody, make sure you subscribe to our Patreon. If you want to throw us a buck, you can get access to our Saturday show, The Saturday Matinee.
1: Andy, why do you love The Saturday Matinee? Uh, We get to talk about all the things that we no longer talk about on this (laughs) show. And (laughs) we're just... Which is fun. It's the fun Fun. stuff. Yeah. Exactly. And what's really exciting is we do these lists where we basically come up with a list of three films that are somehow thematically connected to uh, the film that we are talking about that week. And and this particular week, because this film has this fantastic cold case story element, um, we're going to be talking about uh, three of our favorite films that deal with cold cases. So we each get to pick them and share them, and it's a lot of fun.
0: It is a lot of fun. And if you subscribe on Patreon, you get all of our past Saturday matinees where you can hear such hits as best movies with weddings in Them." <laughs> Best best movies about stamps, ideally part of the plot, but at least should be pointed out. And uh, best uh, stories of missing people stranded somewhere, lost colonies included. Yes, these are real hits. These lists. <laughs> what's, what's You're remarkable? really selling it there, Pete. What's You're remarkable? really selling No, no, no. It. I really am, because what's remarkable about this is that no matter how stupid the list may sound... The lists of movies that come out of these conversations are really good. I have got my my list of movies that I just haven't seen that you guys have brought together. Uh, it's just fantastic. So I look forward to this every week, even when it's movies with weddings in them. <laughs> <laughs> One of these days, it's going to be movies, uh, uh, best movies starring actors whose last name involves postage.
1: And it'll You're just, just waiting be to get that Terrence Stamp, stamp, stamp and Marky
0: Post. That's it. Just all <laughs> Terrence Stamp and Marky Post movies. Shut up, Andy. Uh, This has been great. You know the drill, Andy. When the movie ends, our conversation begins. Amazon giveth, Andy. As Amazon always doeth. Oh, this film, Amazon really does giveth with a number of uh, one-star reviews to help us support our quest for the best Amazon review uh, (laughs) across the entire catalog. We are still searching. Uh, I I feel like uh, there's sort of a set of uh, a trio, if you will, of reviews that I would like to share. They're very short. Uh, if you don't mind now this is a this Good. is a movie from Argentina, and it is uh a movie that is fairly clearly um well i we'll see how clear it is uh beware, Andy movie in Spanish this movie is in Spanish. Why would they write the description in English and fail to mention that the movie is in Spanish? Don't waste your money unless you understand a movie in Spanish <laughs> <laughs> And then how about Spanish movie? With subtitles, I couldn't watch this movie. It was in Spanish. I don't speak Spanish. Nowhere in the reviews did they say the movie was in Spanish. (laughs) And then how about English subtitled? English subtitled, no indication that it was. If I had known, I would not have rented it. I did not watch the movie and I would like to have a refund. These are all people, Andy, clearly who don't like to read their movies. Clearly. Clearly. So disappointed for humanity.
1: Well, I have somebody else who also had an issue with it. It did not in any way relate to the Spanish nature of the film. (laughs) The (laughs) Spanish
0: nature of the film.
1: (laughs) I think that's how they should call it. This film is of the Spanish nature. It's
0: slightly Spanish natured, (laughs) it's fiery
1: this uh this review dutch princess said uh did not like this version dutch princess i should say screamed the review because it's in all caps (laughs) i was looking for the american version with julia roberts did not like this version (laughs) too
0: graphic now tone it down, Dutch princess. <laughs> Easy. I have to ask you, Andy. On reflection, uh, what is your take on that critical review of violence in the film? Do you find which one will you find more grotesque
1: and and violent? We do see the uh, the rape and the 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 bloody body here in in the American film. You don't quite see that. You just see that there's a body in a dumpster and Julie Roberts realizes it's her daughter and she climbs in and clutches her and everything. And that's, that's my recollection. That's pretty much the extent of it. Mm. Okay. So it is much more toned
0: down. All right. Well, maybe Dutch Princess has a thing on you. Yeah. Thanks, Amazon. I've been podcasting since 2006.
1: Oh, and the versatile players allow you to embed episodes anywhere to reach new listeners. Plus, the team behind Transistor is super responsive and keeps making the platform even better.
0: After using countless hosting services over 15 plus years, Transistor has been hands down the best podcast partner for us.
1: If you want a hosting platform to take all the worry out of getting your podcast out into the world, go to the slash transistor and check it out.
0: Support our show and support your own show. By going to the nextreal.com/slash transistor, start growing your podcast today.